Sunday, February the 19th. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. We're going to talk to each other today, friends. So if you're sat on your own, you're going to need to find a friend. I like to point out that two weeks ago when I preached, I didn't make you talk to anyone. So this is a chance to talk together. So would you find someone else, uh, move next to them, and share the most amazing meal you have ever eaten? The most amazing meal you have ever eaten. Find a friend, have a chat. Most amazing meal. another 30 seconds so swap over if the other person hasn't had a chance to share their favorite meal I saw lots of people going like this I think that was the size of steaks being measured out yeah or a cake or something Let's come back together, shall we? Okay, that got you talking. Anybody dribbling as they remember their favorite meal? Brilliant. I wonder how Jesus' disciple... Goodness, you guys are going to talk forever. I'm just going to... Wait, are you right? You're right there? You're all there. There is definitely some dribbling going on in the room. Oh, that meal. I wonder how Jesus' disciples would have answered that question. What was their favourite meal? We had two read to us today, but do we, I wonder what, how they would have answered it. I wonder if it had been about the food or the company. I wonder if it would have been about where they ate or who they ate with. I would love to have had a meal with Jesus. One thing that was for sure, it was always a surprise on what would happen It was always interesting. It was always uh, going to look perhaps a little bit different than my meals, which are usually kids, dinner time, before football, before drama, before everything else under the sun. We're in uh, a month thinking about feasting. We fasted through January, but this month we're thinking about feasting. And the last two weeks, we've been thinking about feasting uh, with God on his word, on his voice, the importance of quiet time, the importance of digging into God's word. If you've missed those, I would love you to catch up online on our podcasts. But this week, we're going to shift a little bit to think about feasting with friends, using meals like Jesus did. 
We're going to start, though, by thinking about how many times Jesus ate. I would love you, with the person next to you, when I say go, to name between you 10 meals that you know Jesus had. And when you've got them, put your hand up. We'll see who's going to be the quickest. Uh, There's a few competitive people in the room. That's all I'm saying. Are you ready? Go! Anyone got ten? Ooh, some fingers. Seven. <laughs> can see the teachers in the room. Any more? Becky got a hand up or she's scratching her head. No. Call Bex. Anyone got close to 10? Anyone close to 9? 8? 7? Hey, Henry, Julia, Marion and uh, Helen and Pauline at the back. Lovely to see you guys. I came up with this amount, but there are more. So, who had the wedding at Cana? Hey, well done. Feeding the 5,000. The story we just had about eating with Matthew. On the Sabbath in the wheat field. Remember that one? Had that one. Well done. Mary and Martha. Who had Mary and Martha? Well done. Last Supper. That was an easy one. And it's mentioned in all four Gospels. So you can have it four times if you want. I'm, no, I'm joking. Different. The road to Emmaus. Yes. Breakfast on the beach. After his resurrection, he went and met, and they were eating in the, uh, the closed room when he went with Zacchaeus, eating with the Pharisees. Now, there's quite a few examples of that. The parable of the banquet, woman at the well. Okay, that was just a drink, so I'll let you off if you didn't get that one. Uh, bread of life story. They were eating as he shared the bit about being a bread of life. And then there are all kinds of parables that have got food in. And then there's that verse in Luke 7 that said, Jesus came eating and drinking. What a great way to come. There are more. I couldn't fit any more on my PowerPoint slide, but there are more. And that little verse, Jesus came eating and drinking, shows us one of the methods he used to share the good news of how much God loved the people that he was feasting with. It was one of his methods. Jesus came eating and drinking. And if we look through the Gospels, but especially the Gospel of Luke, again and again, we see Jesus sat around the table with all kinds of people. It's really important to Jesus that he ate with people, not just for sustenance of his own health, which obviously he needed, but there's an important message about the way that Jesus feasted about the way Jesus used meals. So what is the importance of feasting like Jesus? Well, firstly, Jesus uses food to teach his message. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. 
Jesus in this passage says, I am your spiritual need. You need to know me as saviour and friend. You need to know me because I am going to feed you with everything you need to have life to the full. You need to know me because I'm going to give you the water of life, not just now, but into eternity. And there are other passages we could have used, but this one's great because it goes on to say, let's look at a bit further down. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me, the Father God. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those who have been given to me, but raise them up in the last days. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believe in him shall have eternal life. What a promise. What a promise. You see, Jesus came and used food analogies, which we all understand, to say, you need me. I am here for you. I am the one who can provide for your every need. I am the one who can free you. I am the one who can forgive you. I am the one who can introduce you to a father who loves you. I am the one who will send my Holy Spirit to sustain and empower you. I am the word of God that will nourish and fill you up like we were looking at last week. So Jesus used his, uh, the feasting about his message. Most famous uh, part of meal, perhaps, is about the Last Supper. He's gathered with his disciples and he turned what was a familiar meal to them, the Passover meal, into something completely new for them. He heaped a whole new load of significance onto that meal. He gave them a picture of who he was, the promised Messiah, but also what he was going to do for the human race, be the ultimate sacrifice. It was a simple meal that already had loads of significance already. But just with a breaking of the bread, with those gathered around the table of the taking of the wine, he turned it into the message of what was to come. And so it's no surprise that he goes on and says, when you do this, remember me. When you do this, remember me. I'm teaching you a message over a meal. You're going to have to have meals in the future. Whenever you do this, remember the message I bring. Remember who I am. Remember what I've done for you. Jesus used food all the time to teach his message. But Jesus also used meals to show his method. Quite pleased I got two M's. You may thank me later. You'll remember it more. Jesus told of his message, but his method was Jesus came eating and drinking. He shared the news of who he was around the table. And Jesus used his meals to welcome all kinds of people. We just read about that and I loved it from the NLT. Thank you, Claire, for bringing that to us. I don't know if I've heard the word scum used in church for a while, so thank you. That was really great. Maybe have a read again later. I thought it was really powerful. Jesus, uh, in that story, meets a tax collector. Now, we know that tax collectors back then, not now, were definitely seen as the scum of society. They weren't honest people uh, regularly. 
Jesus meets a tax collector called Levi and changes his life forever by an encounter together. But immediately, Levi Matthew, as he goes to become known as, throws a party, a dinner party. He welcomes Jesus and his disciples around the table, but he doesn't stop there. He invites his tax-collecting friends, and it says sinners and scum gathered around the table. Let's pause for a moment, and you've got two minutes to talk about this question. Why would Jesus' actions there so scandalous. He invited his disciples and the tax collectors around the table. Why do you think that's scandalous? You've got two minutes to talk about that. And what do you think the religious people would have done as well? What would they have done in that environment? Go. Just another 30 seconds, so if you haven't got on to the second part of the question, what do you think the Pharisees would have done in that situation? anyone willing to share just a highlight of their conversation? Why was this so scandalous? Anyone willing to share? If not, you're just going to get more of my opinion, which would be a shame. Anyone? Oh, John's, I'm going right back to John. Make my way forward. Why was it so scandalous, John? Well, they were collaborators. With the Hang Romans. on a minute, give me one second. Go. So the tax collectors were collaborators with the Romans, so they would have been hated by the Jews, particularly by the religious Jews, Pharisees, and they wouldn't, there were people who would have sort of taken a cut and lived, you know, mm. been dishonest as well. So they basically were sort of the equivalent of our loan, it would be like taking a load of loan sharks, mm. I suppose, and going out for a meal with them. A load of loan sharks for lunch. Yeah. That would have been fun. Anyone else got a, a, anything to add? What do you think the Pharisees would have done? Okay, you're going to get my opinions. The Pharisees would have run a mile. As John's reminded us, these people were not clean in the eyes of the law. They were not to be communicated with, let alone to share something as intimate as a meal with. Jesus' actions are so scandalous in this culture. He welcomed all kinds of people around the table. This is proper scandal. This would have made it on the front page of the Daily Mail. He was welcoming people who the society of the day would not even stand and have a conversation 
with. This is like going to Buckingham Palace and taking uh, all kinds of dirty, grubby toddlers with you to have tea with the queen or the king, as we now need to look at. This is scandalous because these people were not accepted in good, clean society. They were the edge. They were the, those that perhaps nobody would welcome into their home. The religious people would not have engaged with them at all. And we can read example after example of the Pharisees basically saying, no, we're having nothing to do with that. They're not clean. And how come you, Jesus, who claims to be the son of God, is eating and feasting and welcoming these people? Jesus's message was scandalous. I am welcoming anyone around my table. This included women in this society. That was scandalous then. Scandalous to have women in the same room as those who were seen as uh, teachers and definitely to have had them in with Jesus. Jesus' message came across in his method. Jesus welcomed all Those who were living the wrong kind of life, who had the wrong kind of values, who were seen in, uh, by the world as being wrong in all kinds of ways. And Jesus sits around those tables with those who the religious leaders would never have been in the same room with. And more than that, he eats with them. He eats with them. Now, Food today has become a bit of a different experience for us, hasn't it? You know, often grabbing something on the go or trying to get food in everyone before they go off on their different ways. We very rarely uh, make time for a meal. But the culture that Jesus was in is very, very different. The culture of the day prized feasting together. It was an important part of the day. A lot of effort would go in to making a feast, a meal together. It was a bit like when we travelled around China in 2007. We'd been told to never refuse the invitation of eating together or the food that we were offered. It was seen to be quite rude if you were to say no thank you to something. So we're in Chengdu and we were invited to go for hot pot. Now, hot pot is the prized meal of the area. So we're there with uh, our Chinese guide and some of her family. And they rock up with this big soup in the middle, very hot, bubbling away. And they bring bamboo sprouts out. Mm, yummy, put those in, bubble away. Then they brought out stomach lining for us to eat. So we sat there, very politely, managed to get a few of those down us, thinking we were doing really, really well. And then came the pig's brain. I could have brought the photo, but I thought your stomachs would not cope. So... We're sat there knowing it is horrendously rude because this family has put on this great meal for us. And we sat there with the pig's brain in front of us. You put it in the hot pot, it boils away. Some of you are smiling at me. I think you've had the same experience. And do you know what? Our westernness let us down. I'd love to say we tried. We poked and we looked. And then the, the, the lovely very Western-aware tour guide we had said, would you mind if I have yours? And I said, that would be delightful. Thank you very much. She said, this is delicious. I said, I'm sure it is. Thank you. Eating together in many cultures around the world is very different to our own. And oh, do we need to capture something of that back, maybe without the pig's brain. 
It was the same in Jesus' time. Meals were so significant. They were taken time with. Uh, People were welcomed around the table, were treated as family, just like we were in China. We were treated as family in that moment. You are welcomed around the table. We have a meal together. This is significant. So for Jesus to invite all kinds of people around his table was a sign that he was welcoming them into his family. Do you know how scandalous that is? That's unbelievable. Jesus' method, though, as we heard right at the end of that passage, is something that he's asking us to adopt as well. And I love being part of this church because, do you know what? We feast. (laughs) We feast. I was chatting to Chris Hewson last week. bumped into him in town. They had over 40 at Elevenses last Saturday morning. For those of you who don't know, Elevenses is our warm space. The drop-in that anybody is welcome to come in. After COVID, we wondered whether it would come back. I uh, had 12, 13 people coming. And then last week, 40 people turned up. They ran out of bacon. Did you pray for it? Did it multiply? That would be a great story. That would be a great story. But Elevenses are doing exactly what Jesus did. They're sharing a meal of bacon sandwiches and of hot drinks. They're providing a welcome, a listening ear, an opportunity to be prayed for. It's so simple, yet so Jesus. So Jesus is exactly what he did. If you'd like to find out more, do talk to Chris or Elizabeth or Jane as well about Elevenses and what's going on there. It's beautiful. Linda as well, they're down there. It's a beautiful example of how uh, we as a church are adopting the method of Jesus, of being welcoming to anybody who would like to come. So Jesus' method was that all were welcomed, but also he used meals to show that you could use them as a discipleship tool. There were loads of moments when Jesus brought his disciples, the 11, around his table. Perhaps they'd been out on mission together, like they all got sent out. Uh, The 72 got sent out. But then he brings them back together. Or after the feeding of the 5,000, he brings them back together. Little team moment around a meal. And it's a beautiful moment of Jesus just giving them direction or encouragement We see that Jesus uses those meals to uh, teach them how to pray, for example, as we see in the book of Matthew, or moments where he just drops something in of challenge that isn't easy, but it's over a meal. Jesus disciples his disciples over a meal. And I love that. How do we use our tables to encourage one another? How do we use simple meals? 21 of them in a week, if you have three a day. Some of us have a few more than that, just saying. But actually, how do we use our meals to encourage the Christians in our lives? One of our other communities uh, sit together and have coffee and cake once a month and uh, do craft together. And the cake is as important as the conversation because it opens an invitation to being happy and comfortable together. It's beautiful what happens because they will pray for one another and encourage one another, perhaps offering a word of advice as well. Discipleship over a meal is a wonderful and beautiful thing. 
But also, as we saw in that passage in John 21, Jesus used meals to invite uh, people to come around so that they could be healed and for salvation. So we read at the end of John that Jesus uh, brings Peter and the disciples to a picnic on the beach. They have to catch their own picnic first. But they bring themselves to a barbecue on the beach. And in that moment, Jesus invites Peter to be restored. You know the story. He denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus comes along on the beach and invites him to the adventure that is to come. Three times. It's over a meal. Jesus used meals because they relax people. They're well fed. There's a moment. And and we remember the importance of eating together. It shows family. and, And you're safe and you're comfortable. So therefore, when you receive encouragement or challenge, it feels like you're in family together doing it. The final thing that Jesus used his meals for, though, well, there are a few more, but this is the final thing I want to do. Jesus used festivals to share the good news a lot. The Passover, Pentecost, weddings are both, are all great examples of Jesus using celebrations of the year to bring his good news into people's lives. So he used meals uh, of the festivals and he gave new meaning to them. Think about Pentecost, think about the Passover. Think about the wedding at Cana. These are meals, but he brings his message into them. I wonder how we use festivals and meals. I'm hoping we use them really, really well. Let me move on. Uh, Oh, hello. So, let's think a little bit about ourselves. Let's think a little bit about ourselves. If Jesus used meals to share his message, that was his method, how should we do this? I wonder who your people of peace are. This is a phrase we use around this church quite a lot. But people of peace are those who perhaps don't know God yet, but who are open to his message. You can find that phrase used in Luke 11 if you'd like to look it up, and I would love to talk to you about it if you've never heard this phrase before. They're people who are open, not only just to your life, but perhaps to the message that you hold of Jesus. They're interested in your life, but not just your life, about how you work, what you believe, how your family pray together, or how it looks different in your life. Remember, people of peace change over time. So somebody who might have been a person of peace a year ago is perhaps not now. But we are all called to plant seeds of God's love into people for a season. So just on your own for a minute, can you think about someone who's a person of peace for you right now? And as you think of that person, how can you use meals to share something of the message of Jesus? As you recognize your person of peace, someone who's open, could you tithe your meals so that they can find out a little bit more about Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, as I said, you've got 21 meals in a week if you include breakfast and not snacks or extra meals you have between 12 and 4. Could you use just a couple of those every single week to invite someone else? It doesn't have to be a full-blown Sunday lunch. It could be a trip to Costa. 
Could you invite your person of peace into your home for a coffee? Could you share over a meal with one or two other Christians some encouragement or some time? Could you tithe your meals, one or two meals a week, just patterning your life a little bit like Jesus did and saying, do you know what? I'm going to use the meals that I have. But what I want us to really think together about just in the last couple of moments is the power of festivals. Now, Easter's coming, just in case you hadn't noticed. Easter eggs have been in the shop since the 23rd of December. They really have. (laughs) I have a photo to prove it. Easter is coming. Jesus used festivals all the time. There were many in the Jewish culture that he could bring significance out of and share. Easter is one of the biggest festivals we have as Christians that is slightly less commercial than Christmas. It is the opportunity for us as Christians to really share the message of Jesus, that he welcomes all, that he is our salvation, our hope for the future and our life to the full in our presence. And the good thing about Easter is there are loads of opportunities. It's not just one day. We have Palm Sunday, we have Monday Thursday, we have Good Friday, we have Silent Saturday, and we have Easter Day. How could we use maybe just one of those days in Holy Week in our lives to share the message of Jesus? So what I'd love you to do with the person next to you is brainstorm. Or, if you've done it before, share a good idea. How could you, this year, use Easter to share the message of Jesus, using the method of eating together? It could be that you're feeling God's tug to encourage the Christians in your life. Monday, Thursday evening is a perfect example to bring Christians around your table together and share communion. That's one example of what you could talk about. But you've got a few minutes together to brainstorm some ideas about how you could use Easter in this method. Love those pictures. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
just another 30 seconds. So I will uh, never forget a Monday Thursday evening. It's about five o'clock, and we had six families with children under eight around our table. Um, and it was carnage, <laughs> absolute carnage. But we were having a meal together, and we said we were going to share communion. Everybody was a Christian family. We were going to share communion together, and it was still carnage. There was definitely no reverence in the room, put it that way. And we shared the bread... And then we paused for a moment and we were going to wash our hands in a bucket of water as a way of saying sorry to God. And the bread was still noisy and it was all going. And then all of a sudden we passed this bowl around from child to adult, child to adult. And the room went quiet. The room went quiet. Loads of small people in the room who had been loud and noisy, but as they washed their hands, there was just something about that simple act of saying sorry to God as they washed their hands and passing it on to the adult next to them and seeing their friends also do it that caused the room to go quiet. Believe me, it got noisy again. (laughs) It didn't stay like that for long. But that moment of silence of children and parents engaging together in an act of forgiveness only occurred because we were eating round a table and sharing communion together and making space for it, making space for it. Love to hear some of your ideas for Easter. So Katie so helpfully and Claire so helpfully put at the board there, perhaps during the song or near the end, I'd love you to just come up and write an idea on there on how you've used Easter or how you would like to use Easter Um, Because Jesus used festivals all the time to share his message. And his method worked. So let's get on it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Let's use his method of eating and drinking and sharing and welcoming people around our table. You don't have to be a good cook. There is always delivery. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's about welcome around a table. It can be as simple as a cup of tea around a table. That's not the important thing. It's about using the welcome of Jesus to share his message. So let's just pause for a moment as the band are coming up. What is God saying to me right at this moment? As I've thought about all that we've heard and said together, what's God saying to you? Just catch that one thought. And then gently ask him the question, what what would you like me to do about it? Let's stand together. Loving Father God, thank you for the example you gave us in Jesus in so many ways. But as we think today about the way that he feasted, he shared meals, help us, Lord, to know how to use that simple method so that others may come to know of you. 
that others may have seeds of the good news planted in their lives so that others may come to know the forgiveness and the fullness of life that you promise. And Lord, it takes courage for us to invite. It takes courage for us to share a meal with others. So I ask, Lord, as we sing this next song, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit that empowers us to be more like Jesus, that empowers us to invite and share your love, that helps us to encourage the Christians in our lives with the good news of Jesus, and that makes us brave to go to the people of peace that we just thought about and share of your reckless and beautiful love. So as we sing, let's just expect God's spirit to be at work amongst us. If you'd like to write your idea up on the board, that would be amazing so we can share with others. Let's worship God together and invite him to help us as we use our meals for him.